0: welcome to solana we are a super fast blockchain project bringing proof of history and in turn one hundred thousand x speeds to the blockchain ecosystem this podcast is a discussion between our core staff industry leaders and top contributors to our open source project find out more at solana.com that's s-o-l-a-n-a.com and you can also follow us on twitter at solana now on to the show Hello, everybody, and welcome to No Sharding, which is the first episode of the Solana podcast. I'm here with Greg Fitzgerald. Hey, Greg. Hey, Andrew. Um, and I'm Andrew Hyde, and we're going to talk a lot about Solana on this podcast over the next couple weeks and months and years. But the first thing I want to say is just like, let's do an introduction of what Solana is. So, Greg, you're one of the founders of Solana. What is Solana. Uh, Solana is a,
1: a very high-performance blockchain. Typically, a, a popular blockchain like uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum could only do about uh, 10 to 15 transactions per second worldwide. And Solana is aiming to do hundreds of thousands of transactions per second worldwide, enough to be like a Nasdaq of the blockchain world. And I
0: think the one big differentiator of Solana is that we're actually saying it's the same as Ethereum. It's decentralized, it's secure, and we're creating a protocol that actually meets all those standards, Mm -hmm. yet can scale. That's right. So Um, the industry has been an amazing industry to watch, but it's gotten to this point where everybody's just kind of building to the point and then saying, oh my goodness, it's too slow, I can't build on it anymore. Yeah, it sounds like it is super frustrating
1: for the Ethereum community, especially to be able to uh, create these really interesting programs on blockchain that could do just about anything, but not do
0: anything very well. (laughs) Yeah, one of my favorite members of the kind of crypto community described blockchain as a slow database that's great for groups of people that don't trust each other. Okay, And I thought that was a great definition until I met Solana. Because Solana is an incredibly quick database. Or not a database, but a, you know you can look at it like a database. I've been describing it that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right when we started the project, we really thought about, okay, it's like a database. And so rather than starting from scratch with performance, we said, why does this thing perform anywhere in the ballpark of a centralized database? So we started with that as the bar and said, okay, if we add these decentralization, permissionless, these Great, amazing properties of blockchain, how much slower does it have to be?
0: Uh, we really found out it's not much. And for people listening that have been around cryptocurrency for a while, I think that that doesn't sound novel. But if you actually are in the weeds in crypto and understand the tech, you'll understand how difficult it is to build a decentralized system that actually is trusted fast and meets all the boxes of what we will believe in.
1: Yeah, and it's perfectly understandable, in my opinion, if you look at the history of these guys coming in from the cryptography space, where performance in making a system that scales to everyone in the world was not a priority. They were proving out the cryptography, that this works, that you can have key pairs be used to determine who owns an asset and and how to transfer that asset. And they did that. They, They proved that out. But the way that they prove that out and when they kind of add on these features that we're more familiar with like general purpose programming language that's not
0: their area of expertise and it really shows it's a really good first attempt and totally took the world by storm we love it now what's gonna happen next over the next five years so let's let's look at solana tell me about the name and in turn tell me about the founding team
1: all right. Uh, the name Solana, it's named after Solana Beach, just north of San Diego, where Anatoly and Steven, the two other uh, co-founders here and I used to live. We used to uh, surf there every day. We just have a lot of amazing memories of that place. And so we named the company that to, a good old nod to Solana Beach. So you've been together a while. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, 15 years, I think we've been writing software together now. And where did you write software together? Qualcomm. We were, and actually a lot of the core Solana team is from the original Brew team. they were a mobile operating system that Qualcomm developed. Before there was Android and iOS, there was BlackBerry and Brew. You may not have heard of brew so much because we pretty much just stamped whoever the carrier was on top of the brew operating system but uh, i believe we were the the uh market uh,
0: sorry the market leader market leader sorry (laughs) Can you tell that I'm not in the marketing? <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm marketing. You're the CTO. Um, so I think that there's going to be some things that we say that really connect with more of our CTO friends. And there's some things where we say that I'm going to try to connect with the marketing folks. So it's a good tag team on that. So you built market leading software that everybody in the world knew of if used.
1: Yeah, we knew smaller, faster, cheaper, better than anybody else in the world. And now we're applying
0: those concepts to blockchain when nobody else has yet. When I talk to people that have read the white paper, because I mean the Solana white paper is fantastic. If you read the Solana docs, um, we can link to that in the podcast notes. But this is written by people that have been working on assembly code level computer programming for a long time. Mm -hmm. This is not, we're going to fork a programming language and try to make it 10% faster. Yeah, apologies for that. Well, I don't think there's apologies for that. If you're (laughs) trying to build the fastest solution in the world, uh-huh. Which can we say fifty thousand transactions a second. Oh yeah, right? definitely comfortably. Yeah, so we're comfortably in that. We you don't want to speculate on what you can do because it's unproven, but fifty thousand transactions a second is what we're seeing right now in our test network. Mm-hmm. Yep, that is only achieved by a team that's worked together at the base level for a long time. In it's, my opinion, it's helped a whole lot. That's for sure. <laughs> so tell me about Anatoly. Anatoly, um, he
1: was the operating systems guy. Uh, I, I was the languages and compiler guy. Our buddy Stephen was the the GPU expert, and. Anatoly really knew well. He knew the known the distributed systems protocols, uh, especially well, and liked to apply those to operating systems to get uh, normal operating systems closer to distributed operating systems. Had that perspective, and the thing that we've we just kept going back to, uh, and a lot of the stuff that he. Uh, invented at Qualcomm there was about how to find a way to get different uh, worlds to communicate to each other efficiently so in Qualcomm it was getting the ARM processor to talk to the hexagon processor, then at Dropbox it was about getting the the nodes that are supporting the file system to talk to each other, and now in blockchain it's about how to get these validator nodes that don't trust each other at all how to get those things to talk to each other, which is considerably harder but always seems to come in back to the same solution which is how do you get these things to synchronize how do you get a clock into this system and in blockchain that's actually a lot harder that turned out to require some real innovation that's where anatoly came to me says hey i got i got an idea how to get a clock into blockchain nobody's done that before yeah, there's been, to my knowledge. Well, right, there's there's been kind of two techniques uh, used. You can either use uh, asynchronous protocols that don't require a clock. That just requires a lot of messages. Sometimes the order of n cubed. And then the other solution is, and Ethereum went this route, is to have this notion of a median timestamp, where you have uh, all these nodes that don't trust each other go submit their notion of time, and they just sort of guess which one of those is close enough to being true time okay. and they just run with it and that is that is very clunky very slow and the asynchronous ones require a lot of messages and so anatoly came up with this brilliant mechanism which we called proof of history where you can have a very very fast clock in an environment where the nodes don't trust each other at all and by having that we're able to leverage these distributed these synchronous
0: distributed systems protocols which are much simpler and much faster. So, if you're listening to this, I want you to just take one thing away from this conversation, which is Solana equals proof of history, right? Or the the big innovation that Solana is bringing and trying to get the world to adopt, mm-hmm. I would argue, is proof of history. Can yeah. you explain to me, just like, let's go very basic, what is proof of history?
1: Oh, it's a notion of time before consensus. And what is that? Um, If you know Bitcoin and its proof of work, Bitcoin actually implements something remarkably similar to proof of history, where you do this proof of work, you solve this puzzle that takes approximately 10 minutes to solve, and that's when everyone generates a new block. Bitcoin has this trustless mechanism to create a a, a tick on a clock every 10 minutes. Well, that's great, and they actually build on that, you can uh, post date a uh, transaction to be hours ahead of time, but uh, that's all after the consensus mechanism. You're talking units of 10 minutes. We need stuff in the order of milliseconds, microseconds to build the consensus on, to build sub second finality on. And so we used actually that same mechanism of proof of work, but shrunk it down two, uh, actually nanoseconds for each unit. We stack those up to create this sort of water clock. Uh, you imagine a uh, clock just uh, dripping drops of water in, in however many drops. That's kind of a clunky notion of time, a clunky notion of duration. But even though it's clunky, you can say that a certain amount of time definitely passed. There's water on the in the bottom area, right? And so we do that same mechanism. We have a very fast, very clunky mechanism of duration that is completely trustworthy from a cryptographic
0: perspective. And that's what we call proof of history. I like that a lot. If I were to describe like a Bitcoin transaction to somebody, I would say person A sends something to person B and there might be a hundred computers along the way that do little tiny math problems. And if everything fits in perfectly at the end to person B, the transaction goes through and people, some of those computers that did math problems along the way get rewarded. Mm-hmm. That's how I like the very, very basic. Mm-hmm. Yep. With proof of history, it's almost like we're getting computers to argue over what time it is. Yeah. And that's actually significantly secure. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That's right. Yeah.
1: The time uh, moves forward as quickly as each computer can. And the The one that has demonstrated that it has done a certain amount of work the fastest is the one that basically gets to say that this is what time it is and everybody else needs to find a way to do this work a a little bit faster. But it's not competitive in the way like proof of work is, where you, you need more and more GPUs, uh, and eventually you're using the same power of the country of Iceland. This is just a competitive on a, a single CPU
0: to make the most of what you can on that one processor. So it's extremely efficient. I mean, we're doing mm-hmm. sub second finality, mm-hmm. which is unheard of in the industry, uh, in the kind of decentralized blockchain industry, and then we're also doing it extremely efficiently. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing one one thousandth of the power usage
1: mm-hmm. that's of right. Ethereum
0: or blockchain, while being a hundred thousand times ish faster. Yes, that sums it up nicely. Okay, so usually when I get to this point of a conversation with somebody, they say something to the effect of, "Yeah, right, that's not true. Yeah. You can't do that." Yeah, we, we have that so many people in this industry, so many smart people working together. And we're going to roll out the next little bit that's going to make it 10% faster. But nobody solved this problem this way. So the founding team, having worked on this for the last 15 years, off and on with their expertise, seemingly has done this. But what do you say to people that are like, I don't believe it?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow. I understand that completely. The way I like to describe it is it's really a, a different set of expertise coming into the space where... Um, The cryptographers have been iterating regularly with the the expertise that's in close proximity to them. We have come in with uh, embedded systems expertise, and that brings in a very different perspective of how to go about doing things. And the way we're doing things is just uh, a lot closer to... The ways centralized databases are built as well and that's really what was needed in the blockchain community and
0: and just wasn't there i think you know, this analogy might fall flat on its face but it's almost like we have combustion engines powering cars and then suddenly we have electric cars right and everybody's on the racetrack going like yeah you know i'm going zero to 60 in this many seconds and the electric cars are coming out and just like "No, no no we know how to be extremely efficient at torque
1: yeah and you know and there is the expertise that we have there's plenty of that around the world and i think we will gain credibility that people will believe what they're seeing as we see um, more and more people come in and they're able to hit the same numbers and uh and hopefully uh we're on to bigger and better things by then and, and people can look back and say oh,
0: oh yeah they, they actually did that not a scam <laughs> yeah and it's open source software, uh-huh, right? Yeah. So I can go to GitHub right now, look up Solana. I think it's Solana Labs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And check out every bit of code you've written. Yep, you can see it for yourself. That's
1: that's not always uh, sufficient of a convincing argument. You know, there are magic tricks that can be done in this thing, shortcuts that can be taken. So to those people, I say not only do that, but then go get your, your smart friend that you trust and have them take a look at
0: it and, and convince you that, yeah, this is real. So let's talk about how to get involved or how to actually view that this is real mm-hmm. um, or, or live. Mm-hmm. Would, let's say live, not real. Because everything I've seen and every person I've talked to, I was in San Francisco watching kind of a live code review happen with some founders that had built a blockchain. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, they were, I mean, you're. I'm going to label you as extremely smart if you've launched your own chain. Mm-hmm. If you've written your own thing, I'm going to label you as extremely smart. And they Anatoly was kind of explaining everything and like this is how we do leaders and this is how we do a couple other things and they just kinda of like there was this silence. They just kind of stopped and said, you, you're, you're very smart. <laughs> and they were kind of annoyed at how clever this design was. So let's, let's talk about the book. So yeah. on GitHub, and we'll link this in the show notes, there's kind of like the intro book. Can mm-hmm. you tell me about that?
1: Yep, I, I wrote that myself, actually. Uh, and it's kind of the second iteration. So in the first iteration, Anatoly wrote the white paper. That's mostly about proof of history. We built that up and then found out that there's actually a whole bunch of other performance bottlenecks that affect blockchain. And we went and solved all those problems, uh, pipelining, storage. Storage, account storage as well, not just ledger storage, um, all these different problems that affect performance. So we built out all that kind of uh, in isolation without uh, updating the white paper at that time. And then once we had all that stuff and we were able to demonstrate the full blockchain operating at the kind of speeds that uh, we anticipated were possible, we, we rewrote that whole book. And so now I think that's probably the best spot to go right now and get a good high level
0: overview of all the different technologies that we We've stitched together here to make this thing work and you can read just a short intro a short you know, explanation of what the project is. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually like play around with some code. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the testnet and let's talk about what would it look like for somebody to actually start okay. hammering at the code. Let's see. So you'd start with that book and in that book there's a
1: getting started guide that tells you the commands to execute on the command line to to sync the code and to build it. And it's really easy. Uh, it, actually we got scripts in there that take care of all of the the dependencies. It's, it's all automated. And then with just a, a few... Uh, lines of code there that you type in and you can start your own local test net and then right after that there's another example in that book that says how you can download this tic-tac-toe app that'll interact with either your local blockchain or you can uh, interact with the test net with that same code just by
0: retargeting it the url and if you want to see it live you can actually play tic-tac-toe right now so if you go to the github book or you go to solana.com slash developers You can find a link to two really interesting projects. One of them is Mm Tic-Tac-Toe, where you can actually play Tic-Tac-Toe with somebody on the blockchain. Everything's recorded, and they can see all the hashes and what it actually looks like. And then the other one is messaging. Mm -hmm. So you have messaging without a sign-in that is decentralized, that is quick, that is... Do you want to say anything more about the messaging? (sighs) It's
1: just the most
0: uh, amazing
1: thing about blockchain that you can just create a form of identity on the fly that this, um, address space is so massive, uh, no, uh, big enough that there's one for every atom in the universe, right? That you can just randomly point in a direction and say, this one's mine. I'm going to call this one Greg. And, uh, yeah, we can do that. Of course, just for playing game of tic-tac-toe or having messages, but for anything, this, uh, completely permissionless way to say, I am going to take this identity and I'm going to associate it with this asset. And if I can create a reputation that this identity is is good for exchanging that asset, then I can do it. I can do an exchange without anyone's permission, just get
0: up and do it. For the non CTO crowd, that means (laughs) that your browser can be your identity. Right, That means your phone. That means you don't have to log in with some things to actually be able to interact with things. You don't have to go to a carrier and ask them to register. Mm-hmm. You just do it. You yeah. just say, this is me. And then nobody owns that, per se. Right. right? Like The community kind of owns that. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll dig into that, those concepts, in future podcast episodes. And I think that there's a lot of style involved with that. You know, the people, like they see the world in a certain way. They see computers and, and how society interacts with technology in a certain way. And I think that this empowers people to build projects and actually build them and not just theoreticize about them. Mm-hmm. But actually like, let's actually build a voting platform or let's build a mapping platform or let's build an alternative to Facebook or let's build there's all these dreams that these people have, but then you're you're kind of bottlenecked on the speed of a network mm-hmm. or That's the cost cool. of a network. So with this incredible speed, Solana's seemingly open the floodgates. Yeah.
1: Just from the, the cost standpoint alone, you typically have uh, transactions, uh, a normal financial system costing, say, 10 cents plus a percentage on top of that, we can do millions of these transactions for a fraction of a cent. And because there's not thousands of humans in the middle, there's not buildings full of people working to make these things happen. It's all software. And the uh, integrity of this ledger is maintained with cryptography, with software. So it's only as expensive as the power to run
0: these computers that breaks my mind to think about a global supercomputer mm-hmm. that you can tap into and write applications on
1: yeah it uh,
0: is outside
1: of any borders and will just keep going so long as anyone in any country decides to put one of these validator nodes on the network and say i'll help
0: maintain this ledger so let's dig into validators and nodes mm-hmm. explain it to my marketing mind explain what a validator what a node is Validators are basically sort of the trick to not require a
1: centralized organization to be trusted to maintain the integrity of the transactions. Instead, anybody anywhere can say that this person uh, wanted to transact this many tokens, we say, this currency to another, and it becomes these validators' job to actually agree on whether a person actually did want to do that with the tokens that they supposedly are associated with their private key. And so the validators, they all follow this protocol this software where they can verify the client's intent and the validators can choose which of those transactions actually occurred batch as many as they possibly can to ensure that that as many go through and that this this currency system actually works and uh yeah and that's 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 kind of the the trick is getting these things to come to consensus on uh, all the stuff that the users actually were Trying to do. And it solves the problem of a user saying that they want to spend their own tokens more than once. So it actually does have, um, at some point, the record of the transaction, it does have to come to some centralized spot that they do have to agree that if you want to send somebody some tokens, that you
0: actually haven't already sent them to somebody else. The double spend problem. The double spend problem, right. So, our validators that were, were, and we just launched actually about an hour ago, we launched Tour to Seoul, mm-hmm. which is the Solana testnet event. So, we're challenging people to kind of break out their Linux boxes or their interest in Linux. And, uh, you know, if you're on a gigabit, actually, there's no technical limitations. To having a validator on the Solana network,
1: not right now, not for the first stage. I think it doesn't it take much. We're, we'll do uh, more advanced things of getting the high throughput use cases a little later down the line,
0: where we'll need uh, GPU cards involved. And you can but, go to solana.com slash tds tour de soul mm-hmm. um, to learn more about the testnet event. But like Solana's got a pretty big road biking culture. We'll yeah. Talk about that. I mean, like we're doing tour D as our you know event name.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> We, uh, let's see, the, of the founders, uh, yeah, four, four, five of us actually ride a bunch, Ed.
0: four of us have done uh, Ironman triathlon so yeah we're, we're pretty into it <laughs> I, I mean I've ridden my bike across the country there's something about culture around companies that I find very very interesting where you find some people that just latch on to certain sports
1: yeah and it's kind of uh, fun to see that in a sport where everyone's so focused on performance uh, going faster a little it definitely does carry over into the software the competitive nature the being satisfied with just going a little faster every day
0: okay. <laughs> And the beauty of a machine. Uh huh, sure. A bicycle is a beautiful machine. Yep, we like beautiful things. (laughs) And here we're building beautiful software that's really cool what other what, what's the other sport what's the other solana sport oh you dropped it now you got to explain it yeah you yep. know it's underwater hockey underwater hockey which is not a joke yeah only three of the five founders play that one yeah and it's you play it at an elite level as well yep. you're just at the national championships you've mm-hmm. been to the world championships yeah got a bronze medal this year at my
1: old age so feeling pretty good about that it's good to be Back in that position again
0: after a lot of years, used to play at the elite level a long time ago. <laughs> it's, it's one of the most hardcore sports I've ever seen as far as endurance, intelligence, brute force, brute strategy. It's yeah. a really interesting sport.
1: Four-dimensional sport. You have to go up, down, left, right, and you're holding your breath and uh, trying to figure out when you're going to run
0: out of air and what you can do with that time you got. <laughs> <laughs> sounds simple. Um, sounds just like a startup. <laughs> Um, so Solana is all roads lead to that I've said that a couple of times mm-hmm. on blog posts and such, but you're, you're a project that has how many employees now? I'm going to say over 15, mm-hmm, under yeah. 20, 15 to 20 seems to change every day at this point. Yeah. I mean, explosive growth lately. I mean, really we're looking at that. I think you guys went and I say you guys, as far as like, I'm a new member to the team. Like I've been here for a month now, but you've been heads down for a while without really marketing. You mm-hmm. want to tell me about that and what that choice or why why you chose to do it that way? Well, it actually has a lot to do with crypto winter, really. Things
1: were looking really good in the world when we first raised money to build the project. And then the sentiment got very bad that uh, people thought that this uh, maybe blockchain thing wasn't going to happen. But um, we're true believers, (laughs) that's for sure. And we decided to take that as an incredible opportunity, really, that we didn't need to spend any time or money uh, or, or being concerned of putting out any notion of vaporware instead Instead, we could just build this stuff, make it real. And, and when winter is over here, that we can come out and make uh, just one hell of a splash with a, a product that works, that we can deliver on on everything we promised.
0: It's a really interesting thing when people hear about it, because it's really, I mean, as far as tech announcements go, this is huge. 50,000 transactions a second is absolutely massive for the industry. For it to be truly decentralized, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have basically spun up Amazon Web Services accounts and said we're super fast, and it's like, well, you're centralized, your database. You know, like let's actually build a blockchain that's super, super fast. But you did it, and you did it in a way where you didn't really talk too much about it. You kind of went into hiding for a year. You know, I don't think you describe it as that, but I think the industry, like you, no, you totally didn't went go into hiding. There's no video on right. I didn't get no. a haircut for like a year. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be taking a photo and putting it on the show notes but you I mean like we shared an office a year and a half ago uh-huh. yeah. you know and then we, I didn't see you for a while and I didn't know how the project was doing at all and then suddenly the test net's live It was nice to have the
1: opportunity to go that deep to really just focus on building great code that worked well and not have to explain every step along the way or promises. And, you know, software is hard. Software doesn't always go to plan. It it didn't for us uh, either. We had a lot of uh, hurdles along the way, things we thought we were going to be ready to go. And then it turned out didn't quite work as, as we hoped. And so we had to go back to the drawing board and it was really nice to be able to do that all without, uh, you know, disappointing the the public and that we wouldn't be able to meet that uh, anticipated
0: roadmap. So you kind of had no pressure and you kind of went. And I think about it. I don't think
1: anyone that works for me would say that there was no pressure.
0: Fair. (laughs) But you you got to go and write. Yeah. And have that luxury where a lot of projects will launch and then have this massive pressure, Mm -hmm. make a lot of shortcuts based on that pressure and then not be proud of the product they launch with. And it sounds like you've had the luxury of just being able to write that and the fortunate ability to have that team mm-hmm. to back you up, to really build on that. I think I, I listened to Anatoly on a podcast that he was saying they started sleeping about two months ago when Testnet went live. Yeah, that sounds just about right. And suddenly we well, also have a child, so <laughs> there's a lot of not sleeping with that. but. You know, testnet, and you can see there's some really nice graphs. If you go into the developer resources, there's some really nice. Like this is this testnet is live. There's validators, and you have know, six continents around the world. It's blazing fast speed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not operating on full capacity right now because a testnet and b you know early on, mm-hmm. but that's going to start ramping up. So, tour to soul, we're going to start seeing more and more validators. Hopefully, somebody listening list is going to set up one and play around with that that code, and I think if you have a good internet connection and a nice Linux box, you're going to be pretty interested in in running the Solana Suite, the Solana Validator Codes, the Mm -hmm. Solana, I'm not sure how to say this. So where do you see the project in, let's say, a year? A project in a year I think uh,
1: just a year is so soon <laughs> yeah will be will be launched at that point and we'll be really I think supporting the developer community a lot uh, really looking at as Libra comes up to speed here and to see if their move language gains traction at all with the developer community it's currently not very pleasant to work with it's actually requires a lot to learn but um, you know their Facebook so they might just... They might force the development community to learn some things there. So that'll be a really interesting development. As it turns out, our runtime is very, very well suited to execute that language. So if that does go well, I think we can do what they're trying to do better than they're trying to do it. So that should be a, a fun development to see. Uh, and it's fun to see Facebook step
0: up with a big ambitious product. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and really I think fun. for us, you know, it's it's we're seeing two point six billion wallets being created. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a bunch of people have the Ability to use crypto in a way that they haven't in the past.
1: Yeah, it's, it's been really validating to read through their white papers, and they, they got a lot of brilliant engineers uh, working on that. I'd worked with one uh, briefly on the LLVM compiler toolchain on the ARM back end, and I uh, was always very impressed with his work. And I he's the head of blockchain over there. And reading through the white paper and seeing that they came to a lot of the same conclusions that we did and how to do this, that there's really only that one rather massive turn at the end there, The to to develop the applications on the system with either a new programming language is what they did. And we chose to offer more of an operating system that'll allow developers to code in, in any language that can target LLVM and therefore target this uh, BPF bytecode for safe execution. So... Our programming environment is a little awkward in some ways. Theirs is a little awkward in different ways. And I just can't wait to see how it plays out and see which form of awkward the developer community <laughs>
0: might tolerate. Right. I think that um, we're going we're gonna to start wrapping up with this interview. So great to chat with you and learn much more about the project. I think you know mm-hmm. if I were to personally take a look at crypto and, and what I love and don't love about mm-hmm. it, I love the actual uses of it when people are actually using it. And I'm not a huge fan of the speculation around it, like the whole price speculation, let's get rich by you know investing early. I don't love it all. But I love the you know people, the developer community, that yeah. really wants to use this. And so I'm so in love with Solana, I decided to join in part because I just see the developer community loving this. I think it's such an interesting project.
1: Yeah, me too. I really can't wait to see the kind of applications that come out of this. I think what we saw with Ethereum is just like, hey, this existing application that we're familiar with, can that work on blockchain? Can we get any adoption? Maybe we'll slowly increment, uh, build up from there. But uh, in this this world where we have all this capacity and this this massively uh, cheap transactions, high throughput, what type of applications are people going to come up with that basically just couldn't be done on top of Visa that the transaction price is too high. But now now it's possible. So I think we're going to see the success stories are going to be immediately global success stories. They're not going to be this year after year of kind of working their way towards adoption. It's either going to happen or it's not. And I just can't
0: wait to see. am so excited to, in a year, maybe we could do an interview. Where do we, you know, maybe our next interview is where, where do we see it in a year? And then we wait a year and interview, you know, look back. Let's end this with with just, let's talk about the speed of Solana. Yeah. So what's the fastest database in the world right now, production-wise? Like, the most used fastest database? I think it's Visa or NASDAQ. Uh, Well, NASDAQ
1: is considerably faster. It'll do about 500,000 transactions per second. And Visa peaks, I think, needing uh, 65,000 transactions per second.
0: And in the white paper, Mm -hmm. if Solana works, and this is theoretical,
1: yep. What, long. What's We're talking a theoretical capacity of 710,000 transactions per second while running on a, a gigabit network. If we put the same architecture on a, a 10 gigabit network, uh, we expect that we can scale up to 10 times that 7 million transactions per second. On a 40 gigabit network, 28.4 million
0: transactions per second. That's, you know, in theory, that hasn't been tested. Right, right. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong here. That means that at the current one gigabit speed, mm-hmm. Solana could power the NASDAQ and Visa network mm-hmm. and every blockchain project out there yep. at the same time and not reach capacity.
1: Yep. And by the time we get all that together, we'll be at uh, working on the 10 gigabit solution
0: be able to take it to the whole next level. <laughs> so projects that have been building and developers out there that have been doing some on-chain and some off-chain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. we're just inviting them to say like just put, put, it, put it all on put chain it's, too, on it's chain. too cheap to uh, to mess with that to mess with
1: trying to have your software work in multiple places and securing it in multiple places Ours, it's just
0: so fast, so inexpensive you can just put all the data right on chain that's amazing the best way to contact us is on Discord so go to Solana.com and I uh, a right hand corner there's a you know, chat with us on Discord which is a nice uh, chat program Twitter, Solana Labs you can follow me at Unicorn <laughs> And then uh, if you have any questions, keep comments coding. about um, about the name as well, I mean, I'm naming this podcast No Sharding because you, if you listen closely, we never talked about sharding. So we've true. got this insanely fast protocol, but not using the uh, industry's favorite term. Yep,
1: Yep. sharding's uh, easy to start Very, very difficult to finish Uh, It adds a whole lot of complexity to the system And we see being able to work within uh, Increasing bandwidth year after year Without ever needing to take on that uh, complexity That's uh, a very strange choice That a lot of the other blockchains Are choosing from the perspective of uh, Distributed
0: systems theory And uh, we're not going to go that way So no sharding? No sharding I love it. That's a great way to end it. Thank you so much, Greg. That was the first episode and I'm just excited for this project. Well, thanks, Andrew. Looking forward to seeing what's next. This is going to be an interesting uh, year for sure. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode. If you have any questions for our guests or want to continue this discussion, please check out our website at solana.com. That's s o l a n a.com. There are links to our Discord, where most of our communication happens in the company. Also, you should check out our GitHub page, where we post all of our code for you to check out and even help out with. GitHub.com slash Solana labs. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Solana. Thanks for listening. See you next week.